This is the Education Business Podcast for consultants and business owners providing services in schools. I'm Claire Riley, and I'll be sharing how to start, grow, and scale your education business. So today we're talking about growth in your education business and the most pressing reasons why yours might not be growing as you expected. So growth isn't just about building a team and making your business physically bigger with employees. It's also about growing the numbers of clients. It's about extending your audience, growing your revenue and your profits as well. So here are my top 10 reasons why you may be struggling to grow your education business right now. So the first reason is that you're not looking at yourself. Now I can hear you say, what does that even mean, Claire? Well, I can tell you it means personal development. So I came to personal development when it was too late. I'd got to breaking point. I honestly had my eldest daughter, Hattie, was four months old and I was seriously struggling at this point because I had two babies and time had been snatched away from one of them. I didn't have twins, if that's what you're thinking. There was only one infant in the house, but the other baby was my business, Classroom Secrets. And I'd spent 13 hours a day for fun working on my business and it was all gone unexpectedly a month before we thought it was going to happen because Hattie was born exactly one month early in an emergency and I'm not going to lie we were in shock and I constantly felt guilt and the tug of the business I felt like I was failing and I couldn't let go and I couldn't work out how I could do it all and have it all And I think, you know, as a mother, I took that overarching responsibility as well, that I I wanted to be the one in control of the family life. And Ed also had an employer at the time. So I felt like the business was really suffering, you know, for that. And the business came last and I really hated that. And I got to a point where I saw the Miracle Morning book recommended in a business group that I was in and I decided to listen to it and honestly it changed my life, it did, changed my life. It just gave me the tools to find the time to focus on what I needed to and some of that was just knowing that I could create more time in my life. So when it comes to personal development, the important thing is to understand what the personal bit actually means. So one of the questions I always ask in job interviews, because I've done a lot of job interviews now with people, I ask them what personal development they're doing. And I can tell you that the answer is usually about professional development. They tell me about the skills that they've been learning, but that's not personal development. For me, personal development is learning about the way you do things and how you think and how you feel and the reasons for that. It's so easy for us to point the finger and expect others around us to change. School, we want school to change. We want the SLT to change, spouses, our children, our parents, even our employees. But changing yourself is the right way to get what you want. And the only way, to be honest, that the culture that we've come from in schools is usually to expect others to change because that's what um, leadership can expect of us and when I say leadership it's not always leadership in in directly in the school it might be you know countrywide leadership but I've learned that that's not the way to grow it's you know the way to grow and be more, more successful is to be working on your beliefs uh, learning more about business 
learning about your past, your emotions and how you react in situations and how they all interlink with each other. So being open to learning lots more and realizing every day that you know even less than you thought you did the day before. So I'm going to do more episodes on this in the future because personal development is so big and it's honestly so important for moving forward in your business. So the second reason that your business and education is not growing is maybe you're not marketing enough. So I'm not talking about banging out a few social posts. So I did that and expected results. Um, But I honestly did not market enough. And when I did start marketing, I kind of built a bit of a following. Um, You know, I was doing a lot of personal brand stuff at the time. But I got to a point where I got complacent because I I'd built this following and I thought things were just fine and things got really super, you know, super busy in my business and I just didn't have time for things and foolishly I didn't hire a marketing team and when things were good I thought well we can just stop marketing and it's just so easy to do these other things you know the things that we like to do as teachers we like to create things for our courses and just hope that teachers will see it because they follow us. And it's like, it's like we, we don't want to do what we don't enjoy, for example, marketing, now that we have this freedom to make life what we want it to be now that we're an entrepreneur, especially if we've had those restrictions in schools as well. And we think, well, I'll build it and some people already come, so they'll bring others along, right? <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not really how it works. And sometimes we can look at some of the big players and we can think that that's how they got there because we've not witnessed every marketing activity. But I can tell you that lots of marketing happened in their businesses and it was consistent. So you've got to start building this personal brand, but then you've also got to keep up to that personal brand as well so that people can see who you are and what you're offering. You know, I think for a lot of businesses right now, teacher famous is is something really good to aim for you know if you're uh, the one who's delivering most of the content then becoming known for doing that and really helping teachers is a really good goal to have so the third reason is that you're too scared to sell to schools so maybe you've become more established and you're getting more well known in the teaching space but it's got a bit stagnant so have you actually tried selling to schools or are you just selling to teachers so I feel I feel fine to admit this actually because I'm all about being honest and letting you know my mindset struggles as well but I was scared to sell to head teachers when I first started out seriously scared and I, I don't know why I think I think I worried that they'd see through me that I was this flitty teacher I was in secondary then I was in primary and then I was on lots of day-to-day supply and I think I just thought they'd see me as a failure, but now I can see that as a real strength because of the amount of schools that I went into and that I experienced and the connections that I made. Um, I see now when somebody's been in a school all their life, while that's great and that's great for the children, they've not broadened their experience. And so depending on what they want to go on to, sometimes it's not helpful. But yeah, I thought that Head teachers would go, mm, she's on supply, she's failed. But now I interview loads of head teachers on my podcast, the, the teachers podcast that is, and 
I'm fine with it. So that's how far I've come. So the point here is that we can work on these things. You know, are you building a good relationship with head teachers or are you too scared to communicate with them and only communicate with them by email so you don't have to talk to them? Can they sense that you're afraid of them? So I actually experience that quite a bit now. So my title of CEO obviously scares people and I honestly hate it because it's really not in my nature to be a scary person. Um, and it makes me feel so uncomfortable when I sense that someone is afraid because I don't feel like I've done done anything to um, sort of warrant that and it's just the title that precedes me. Um, so it's important to try and upgrade your beliefs in this area and try building relationships with head teachers as a test to get over this fear of not selling to schools. So the fourth reason that you're not growing your education business is because you've not got a plan and maybe you've not got a vision. So do you actually have a clear direction of where you're going or does your to-do list fill up and then you just go through all the work on there with no purpose? You know, do you know which are the important things to work on each day and how are you making those decisions? Are you clear on why you're doing what you're doing? And what I'm trying to get at here is do you understand the difference between tasks that focus on the business and the tasks that are focused in the business? It's really important to know the difference and be able to work on the two as you're growing. So is it a specific niche that you're fulfilling? Are you trying to serve everyone? Are you trying to go wide too soon? I feel like there's so many questions to answer here when it comes to your plan and your vision and, and where you're going and who you're serving. But I often see people who want to sell everything to everyone in the beginning. It's, because, it's likely because we don't believe that if we niche, we can get enough clients. But actually, that's the way to get enough clients by being really clear about what you're about so that people know that you're the right person for them. Because you need to get really clear on exactly what it is that you're good at, what you're delivering and how it's different from everyone else. So the fifth reason is that maybe you've not got the right people. So perhaps you have no team at the moment, but you need the people to help you grow, maybe in different areas of expertise that you don't have. Or maybe it's about time and you just don't have enough time. Or maybe you do have a team, even if they're outsourced, but they're not the right people. What I want to say is that this is okay. This was something that really frightened me when I started out. I thought if you didn't have a good fit, then you were stuck with it forever. And there was nothing you could do about it. But it can be fixed. And if you're feeling it, other people are probably feeling it too. Sometimes it's just down to skills that people don't have the right skills. Some, you know, you might outgrow their skills. Or maybe, maybe they didn't have the right skills in the first place. And you didn't hire very well. And you know what? That happens, especially in, in the beginning. And it'll continue unless you start learning from that and working out why that was. Or it could have been, you know, that they were a good fit at one point in your business, but maybe you've grown fast and quickly and they're not a good fit anymore. And that's also okay and very normal. You know, companies that grow quickly, you know, have different people in at the start to the people that are in at the end because everyone likes a different culture and everyone's got different skill sets and it's just the way it is and it's, it's absolutely fine. And you have to sort of separate yourself from that emotion. So maybe you just need to look at who is sitting in each role, even if it's an outsourced team and what roles your business is going to need in the future as well. So the sixth reason is that you have not nailed your target audience. So do you actually know who you're helping? So I mentioned niching when I talked about vision and it's fine to help teachers, parents and schools, but are you speaking to them all at the same time? Because I've seen this happen before. Do you have leaflets that sell everything to everyone? Because then you're not selling anything to anyone you know, you're trying to sell them all the same thing. 
And if you've got something that is good for teachers and parents, you know, should it be exactly the same for those groups of people? Are you trying to sell them the same thing or are you making tweaks so you know that it's right for them? So you might have a course that's great for parents, but if you want to sell that to teachers, maybe you need to re-record the course and, you know, before when you were showing children at home now you're showing children in the classroom and the terminology will be different so when you're doing the course for teachers you're going to talk about teachers and when you're talking to parents you're going to talk about parents and children at home so it's about making it specific to them it's not them being awkward it's about them not recognizing that it's right for them if you don't make it relevant for them the seventh reason you are not growing your education business could be that you're spending too much time focusing on creating because that's what you did in teaching and oh man I did this it was one of the things that I struggled with the most the, one of the biggest things the thing is I like to create it's something that I really enjoy and I'm sure I know there's lots of people who are in this situation as well but when we move into business we have to do all the other bits as well otherwise we'll never grow and it's hard to focus your time when you just want to sit and create resources or create training all day but unfortunately quickly the days turn into weeks and the weeks turn into months and there's no money coming in and this is where it's important to be able to see which tasks are on the business and which are in the business as I mentioned before and if you don't look at this then you will really slow your potential growth down if you don't work out which tasks fit into which category and make sure that you're working on the business as well so the eighth reason is maybe you're not setting goals Maybe you've got an idea of where you want to be in five years, but you don't actually know what needs to happen in the next week to move you towards that. Now at Classroom Secrets, we've got a 10-year plan and we cover a variety of areas. Some of them are these. Um, so we look at culture, workforce, finances, workspace, staff benefits, brands, investments, the market, new ideas. And I can tell you at 10 years, there's hardly any detail. At five years, there's some detail. But the next 24 months, they're pretty pinned down. You don't get to where you want to be if you haven't set that intention and then worked out what the roadmap is. Because, you know, we're talking about achieving some big things and you've got to do lots of small steps to get there. So I actually write down some of my goals every day. It's the money goals that I actually write down, but you can write down any goals. And I was listening to a book by Denise Duffield Thompson. It's called Get Rich Lucky Bitch. Um, and in that, she explains, um, and I don't know where she got it from, that apparently millionaires write their money goals down every day and billionaires write them down twice a day. So I'm only writing mine once a day at the moment. Um, but it is important to write those to be really clear. And I suppose it helps you stay focused on what it is you really want and helps you to identify when maybe there's something that you don't really want and you want to change that goal. So the ninth reason then, you've got to be prepared to invest back into your business. And I'm talking about money here. So if you're always taking all the money out of your business all the time um, to help you with your personal life, then you're not going to have the funds that you need to grow. So a good approach is a percentage model where you save a percentage to help you growth and it goes into a growth pot or something. It is really, really important though that you don't just save everything and don't take any money out of the business because then you don't see that you're getting a reward. And I certainly made that mistake in the beginning and it made me feel resentful. Um, and that wasn't good either. But the worst thing is needing to hire people so that you can grow and not being able to afford it at all. So it is important that you do invest some of the money back into the business. And the 10th reason, and this one is a big one, 
is that you've not got a coach or a mentor. And this one is so important. So when I was in teaching, honestly, I did not understand why anyone would need a coach. <laughs> um, well, particularly me anyway. I thought of myself as really self-motivated. I was someone who could set goals, achieve them. I was A-OK. And I did not need a coach, thank you very much. And I'd loosely experienced coaching and that, it really did shape my view in the wrong way as well because um, it wasn't the best experience. But coaching isn't necessarily about setting a goal and achieving it. I feel for me, it's more about the journey and understanding yourself along the way and understanding the journey. So the right coach or mentor is so powerful and there's just there's just so much more to it than I realized. And I just wish I didn't, I had have invested in a coach at the start of my business journey and understood the value because I would be in a different place now, I really would. But unfortunately for me, because it took me so long to even work with mentors, when I finally came to it, I found that I knew a lot of what they were sharing now that I'm more experienced. Um, and part of that was not finding a great fit, but I'd already hired staff, I'd built a team, and I'd already broken through the seven-figure mark. So I realized that I'd figured it all out for myself, but the hard and long way around, which is not what I want for you. So now I work with more than one coach for different things. And I actually worked with a coach for this podcast, even though I've launched one previously, because now I understand so much about leveraging someone's experience and I wanted to launch better than I did last time. And I've seen her um, launch lots of podcasts and I've seen the success in that. And I wanted to make sure that I was part of that too. And I really understand the power of sort of buying knowledge if that makes sense and, and that consultation and being able to ask those questions so I'm constantly on the lookout for next level mentors as well um I feel like it's much harder when you're a seven-figure entrepreneur with a big team because you want someone ahead of you who has the same kind of experiences that you're going to have you know someone who's pitching their content at where you're at so in terms of a next level mentor for me I'm still on the lookout for a woman <laughs> who's in the same situation as me. And do you know what I found? That's really rare. I don't actually know any female founder CEOs with such young children and a team, you know, just a bit bigger than ours, um, handling the number of sales that we do. So it's important to always be on the lookout for that next mentor and the next coach as well. So I hope these reasons have given you some food for thought and areas to look at in your business. And if there's more than one thing jumping out at you, then my advice is just to tackle them one at a time. There's no rush. It's just important to get it right. So I did mention coaching and mentoring in this episode. So now's probably a good time to let you know that over the next few months, I'm going to be opening up one-to-one -one mentoring sessions for a September start. So I will just keep you posted on the details. So keep listening in. If this has been helpful at all, please sign up to get my weekly email where I share more tips to help you grow your education business. And also I share the UK education news. And this is news that I use with my team to grow Classroom Secrets and the Education Business Club. So it's really, really valuable. You'll find the link in the show notes, but it's educationbusinessclub.co.uk. Thank you for listening to the Education Business Podcast. To get more information to grow your business, sign up at educationbusinessclub.co.uk.